Welcome to Miami Creators, a show about Miami's most influential businesses, individuals, entrepreneurs, and more. I am your host, Corrado, and on this episode, we speak with Brenda Shami, co-founder of Deshino and Shami, a law firm in Miami that specializes in business and intellectual property law for businesses across many industries. Their extensive client roster covers fashion, art, entertainment, hospitality, technology, influencers, and more. On today's episode, Brenda shares invaluable legal advice for business owners and the evolution, opportunities, and challenges for social media influencers in today's environment. We also discuss her entrepreneurial background and upbringing. She shares the biggest obstacles and fears she's had to overcome to where she is today, and so much more. So, without further ado, please enjoy this refreshingly honest, insightful, and uplifting conversation with Brenda Shami. Brenda, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. How's everything? Everything's great. Happy to be here. Very cool. Um, before we start, I want to just kind of give you an opportunity to introduce yourself for anyone that may be listening that doesn't know who you are and your business. Go for it. Sure. So my name is Brenda Shami. I am. I was born in Argentina, raised here in Miami. Um, our firm is Deshino and Shami. We are a business and intellectual property firm. Business meaning everything from the incorporation to mergers and acquisitions, fundraising, contract negotiations, NDAs, independent contractor agreements, and even litigation. On the intellectual property side, we do trademarks, copyrights, and patents, everything from filing, defending, and protecting. Um, so that's pretty broad. We also service a lot of different industries. We do a lot with startups. We do a lot with creative industries, fashion designers, musicians, artists, photographers. And then we do things with, you know, airplane builders or, um, you know, steel manufacturers or solar power energy companies. So our spectrum is definitely very broad, but then we have what we like to, you know, we like to say that we're attorneys for creative individuals. Okay. But the spin on that is that I think a creative is anybody who is in business, because I think regardless of how maybe corporate or structured or formal your business may be creating something, the business itself is a creative process, solving problems in an unconventional way, thinking of solutions that somebody hasn't thought of. Um, the entire process of being a business owner is just incredibly creative. So when we say we're attorneys for creatives, that can mean in the conventional sense of artists and photographers, and you know, exactly. musicians, but then it can also just be a tech startup. It could be someone developing an app. It could be um, somebody who is, you know, creating the next Uber or Lyft and or or restaurant or all those things, in my opinion, are creative. Is there a, a, a type of industry that you are particularly passionate about? I'm a big fan of anything. I don't want to say entertainment because people automatically go to like TV and film and or music. And while I am incredibly passionate about that, I think it's so much broader than that. So I think social media influencers are something that I love representing and that are becoming incredibly important in society. Um, you know, we can we can discuss that at nauseum, but I think that 
any attorney who doesn't see the value in representing a social influencer just doesn't get it. It's the wild, wild west right now. Well, and, and on both sides, right? On the brand side, we represent brands that use influencers. And it's important for them to understand their value, where to be protected, what laws they need to follow, and so forth. And then on the influence side, we represent a ton of influencers that they don't realize how many things go into this from a legal point of view. FTC compliance, um, even just when they're signing these contracts and half the time, they don't know how they can use their images or what they're going to be used for. How long can they use them? There's just so, so much that goes into that body of law that I think that people are for a long time weren't taking it sufficiently seriously to understand that it, it is a full business, right? And it's really not going anywhere. Um, so I, I do like social media influencers. I love that area. They're also young and exciting and I can relate to them. Um, anything, Any particular uh, clients that you can mention that you can that, that people would know? None that I can mention okay. because of confidentiality, <laughs> but um, we love all our clients. All our clients are unique and exciting and special and they come with their own ideas. And to me, my favorite thing about my job, I'll tell you this, my favorite thing about my job is helping somebody develop what to them is just an idea. An idea that doesn't make money is just a hobby, right? right. So part of what we at Dishino and Shami do that's a little bit differently is instead of just providing legal advice, a lot of what we do is business development advice. I've owned a lot of different businesses. I come from a very entrepreneurial family. And so one of my favorite things to do with my clients is to sit in a room and help them really make that idea come to life. Let's turn it into a business. We help with business plans. We help with budgets. We help with so everything from start to finish. Um, and sometimes my clients will just call me and be like, hey, what do you think of this? Should we do this? And I'll be the first to say, nope, that idea does not work because of X, Y, and Z. Let's revisit it a different way. Or that's brilliant. Let's sit down and you know really make it real. So you go far beyond just the legal advice. It's almost like you're essentially a partner or a consultant, right? 100%. And I get really upset when people hire lawyers that don't explain things to them or that I'm like, okay, like you had a lawyer previously, you know, why did you decide to do it this way? You know, why did your lawyer say, oh, I have no idea. They just told me to. That's a, in my opinion, that's a very old school mentality. Right. My job as your attorney, as your business consultant, as, you know, as your counselor is to empower you is to make sure that you're protected, that you're safe, but also to empower you, to teach you things so that the next big business venture, you'll be that much better, that much more informed. Um, so I'm a big proponent in my clients saying, hey, why are we doing this? Or, you know, I most of the time will be like, hey, let's sit down and let me explain this agreement to you. Let me explain why this is important for you to do. Um, because not only does that help them learn and become empowered, but then they understand the value in what I do, right? Um, there's a million lawyers that can draft a contract. If you deal with enough creative people, you find... <laughs> have you ever read the book uh, E-Myth? No. It talks about the mechanic who loves to work on cars. And so he opens a body shop. But then a few months down the line, everything is going great. And he finds himself working 10% of his time on what he loved. And he doesn't understand about counting and all of these things that all of a sudden it's like, what did I get myself into? Right. And so I, I think if you deal with enough creatives and you find brilliant, brilliant artists, brilliant photographers or musicians or anything, but they're missing the business side. Literally nail, nail on the head. Exactly. Nail on the head could not have said it better. That's exactly what we, we provide the other side of the brain. I'd say 90% of my clients are 
brilliant creatives that just, it's not that they're not even good at it. They don't want to go near mm-hmm. the business. They're just like, it's boring. It's annoying. I hate it. And they have the potential to make millions, but they aren't because that's not what they're passionate about. That's not what they're excited about. So you hit the nail on the head. So many of our clients are brilliant creatives and they're just like, I I don't even come near me with an Excel spreadsheet. And like, you see is- what they create. <laughs> you see what they're doing. You see their ideas and yep. you see this entire untapped potential that you're like, oh my God. <laughs> you're like a kid in the candy store. Like literally the it's things like you're I in can my brain. do with you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Literally, it's like you're in my brain. Sometimes my clients will come, they'll have these ideas. I'm like, oh my God, like you're going to be a billionaire. Let's right. do this. And, you know, unfortunately, if you don't have that other side, the boring side, let's call it, then it's just a hobby. Which is not boring. It's really fun. It depends it, who you, you are. As you said in the beginning, <laughs> it's very creative, right? Like I think so. Exactly. Um, what are some common, you know, mistakes that you see in your day-to-day life? Sure. Um, they're, they're pretty... I think there's two main ones. The first is that a lot of people wait way too long in the process to see if it's a viable business. The idea is brilliant, but can it make money? They wait way too long to figure that out. They will have their marketing plan and they will have the idea of laid out and they will have their team ready to go. And I'm like, all right, show me your budget. Like, show me your break even. Show me your projections. Talk to me numbers. Like, oh, I haven't done that yet. Okay, so we have a hobby. We have an awesome hobby that looks awesome. How do we monetize it? And so I think number one is that people get so excited about an idea that sometimes they forget to look at whether it's a business, a good business. That's the first thing. And that's not a legal thing. That's just a business thing. The second is I think that people underestimate the value of properly structuring a business early on, especially with partners. Hmm. Um, people, lawyers are usually heavy upfront, meaning you pay most of your lawyer fees at the very beginning of your business, and then you need them less and less. And then hopefully again, you need them a lot because you're either exiting because Google's buying your company or because all of a sudden you're doing a huge fundraise because you're going to expand or, but usually it kind of goes in waves. That initial payment to a lawyer is always something that young or, or, or first-time business owners struggle with because they're like, well, I barely have enough money to eat because I'm not paying myself. Why would I pay a lawyer, right? Unfortunately, you end up paying so much more if you don't kind of bite that bullet. And it doesn't need to be an expensive lawyer and it doesn't need to be something super complex, but partnerships are very, very what's the right word? We're human, right? And so feelings change, moments change, money changes, things change. And as much as, you know, nine out of 10 times, my clients are best friends, husband and wife. They've worked together in the past. There's some sort of already established relationship. And so people feel very comfortable at the beginning. And unfortunately, those are the relationships that need it the most. Because if you do it right at the beginning, you don't risk ruining a friendship or a relationship or whatever the case may be down the line. So that, and I think just signing agreements in general, a lot of young business owners will, because they want to get the deal done, because it's such a big opportunity, they won't have an attorney review it or they'll just sign it really quick because, 
oh my gosh, Pepsi called me and like, I'm going to do this no matter what. And our job, and especially because our firm is so keen on the business aspect of things, we're never going to let a deal fall through that you want to go through. We're just going to make sure that you're at least conscious of what you're signing, right? Some of my clients will look at it and I'll be like, you cannot sign this. It's a disaster. Oh my gosh. And they're like, listen, I'm fully conscious now that you've gone through the whole agreement with me. I understand the risks I'm taking. I still want to take them. Go for it. Right. As long as it's a calculated risk, I'll let you take it. Exactly. It's when it's this completely unknown, you know, uncalculated risk. That's what scares me. Yeah, as long as you know what you're getting yourself into, exactly. then by all means, go for it. But I think you touched on something very important in terms of setting up those agreements in the beginning. When disagreements come up, everybody's looking out for themselves, right? Whereas if you do it in the beginning, it's almost backwards. They're looking out for each other. They're trying to set it up as best as possible for each other and all lovey-dovey. It's a business prenup. Exactly. It's a business prenup, right? (laughs) So it's you should sign a prenup when you're in love. And a partnership agreement should be signed when you're in love. You're in love with the business. You're in love. Right now, it's all hopes and dreams. We all believe in each other because that's why we're choosing to be partners. And so we're going to make sure that it's fair, right? right? And everybody should have their own counsel and, you know, but when you do it at the beginning, right at the same time that you're all very consciously choosing each other as partners, that's when you should do your agreements. Also, because then if not, it gets so messy. Right. Decisions have then already been made and well, we did this this way, we did this that way. Well, I wanna leave now, I wanna stay, I wanna sell. And we didn't talk about any of this before. Yeah, 100%. So you talk about social media, influencers, everything. So obviously our world is evolving very, very quickly. So how do you see these changes both um, benefiting your business as well as what are some challenges that that presents? Sure. So I think that we got fortunate in that my partner and I started doing intellectual property even before social media influencers were as big as they are now. But intellectual property is becoming everything. 90% of the value that most companies get are from their intellectual property, their brands, trademarking their brands, right? We know people that don't actually have any product that they sell except their brand, their name. Just the name is enough to get them paid. And that's intellectual property, right? That allows me to, and I'm oversimplifying, but me trademarking your brand allows you to then go out and license it and sell it and make money off of it. And so I think that our specific, uh, you know, line of, of law, intellectual property is where everything is headed. Um, owning the intangible, owning your copyrights, your patents, your trademarks, And then what you do with those, right? Everybody knows that brick and mortar is becoming increasingly difficult to maintain um, from a fashion perspective. Uh, But from an online perspective, it's growing. From a a marketing perspective, there's so much to do. And all of that has so much to do with with intellectual property. So in that respect, you know, I think we're, we're positioned really well. I also think because we're a young firm, we see the value in you get it. We get it, right? You're not resisting the the. Are the you wave. kidding? I'm embracing it the most, You're right? It, yeah. um, I love my influencers. I um, I think a lot of old school attorneys maybe saw this as a as a, a fad or, oh, you know, some people on the internet are saying this is here to stay, and 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 it's because it makes sense. The brands are getting at a fraction of the cost a direct 
link to their consumers, perfectly targeted, why not, yeah. right? So it just makes perfect it's sense. It's word of mouth, but on steroids. 100%. So why wouldn't this continue? Why wouldn't it get better, right? I think it's obviously continuing to, uh, the laws are still catching up. There's a lot, a lot of things that people don't know um, because the laws are outdated. A lot of influencers are doing things that legally they're not allowed, but it's just so commonly accepted, right? Like reposts are technically legal, yep. right? Copyright law does not allow you to repost oh, an image. Oh, someone you don't in own. the photography world, trust me, I know all too well <laughs> exactly. about realtors taking amazing, beautiful images and pushing their brand. And it, exactly. So yeah. we do a lot of that um, litigation where we enforce our clients' copyrights and also protect them. I, I do think that intellectual property is definitely where everything is headed. Um, I think that from a brand perspective, it makes sense. From, you know, there's definitely a culture of entrepreneurs in, in this generation. And this allows that entrepreneurial spirit to grow in whatever way that influencer sees fit, right? You're into fashion and art you can do that. You're into fitness. You can do that. You're into, whatever you're, you're good at, you're great at, you're passionate about, you can, you know, make it your business. So I, I think that they're here to stay. We love them, embrace them. We hope to have just more and more of those clients. Um, and then it transcends, right? I've seen my actors and actresses become influencers. And then I've seen my influencers become actors and actresses and vice versa and write books and go on to have TV shows and Right. So I think it's such a cross breed and one breeds the other and the other, you know, it, it's all it feeds itself. 100%. I have a buddy of mine who's an actor. And and one day we were having an argument. I was like, hey, man, you need to be a little bit more active on, on social media. You need to be posting behind the scenes stuff when the show is going to air. You need to get in the conversation. It's like, oh, I don't know. And I'm like, listen, I'm going to give you a good example. Let's say there's the role that you would kill for. And there's you and another guy. You both look exactly the same. He's your evil twin. You guys have the same background, same skills, same luck, everything. He's got 50,000 more followers than you do. Who do you think they're going to hire? Him. Yeah, well. He's got a built-in audience. He can, with one post, help promote the project, whereas you don't. Totally. Well, I'll tell you, at castings, <clears throat> they now ask for your Instagram handle, well, your social media handles and your follower account yeah. at castings. So That's crazy. Spot on, 100% relevant. And it makes sense, again, because like you said, it's free promotion. Similar to, you know, the most common mistakes that you see with your clients, what are some of the common myths that you often hear around your line of work? There's a lot of, I can do this myself, which I'll be fair, you can, right? I could also probably make a dress, but like, I don't want to wear it, right? <laughs> <laughs> so... There's a lot of like, oh, you know, this person told you gotta me this. got to believe in yourself. I, you no, no, I do. I, that's why I said I could make the dress, but I don't think I'd want to wear it. Um, it would probably fall apart. Um, I think that there's, you know, there's so many resources out there that you probably could do everything yourself. What you can't get out there is experience unless you do it yourself. And so I think one of the biggest things that as attorneys we provide as accountants as consultants, you know, whatever you're you're looking for is I've done the research, I've had the experience, I'm going to synthesize this for you, right? The internet is confusing, if you ask me. There's just so many opinions. And I so often get people be like, oh no, well, my friend started a business and he told me to do it this way. He told me to do it that way. Right? right? You need to find that one person that, okay, I 
trust this person for their expertise in this line of work, and I'm going to use them as a resource. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily a myth, but it's one of the things that always I have to kind of backtrack with a lot of my clients and right. say, hey, this isn't actually like this. This is how this is. Right. This isn't like this. You know, when it comes to trademark filings, people are like, oh, it's so easy. Not exactly. So let's back up a little bit. Let's talk a little bit about the road that led Brenda to where she is today. Sure. <laughs> so I... Um, I come from a family where my father was a business owner, my mother is a business owner, my brother is a business owner, my uncle is a business Literally, I don't know anyone in my family that worked for someone else. And I think that that obviously teaches you something uh, by example, right? That's what I saw my whole life, solving problems on the go, you know, figuring things out. My family's just very much about like, they just figure things out. Um, and so I was definitely raised in that type of environment and I loved it. I thrived off it. I, I don't necessarily mind working for someone else. I have. Um, but even within that, it's a different mentality of independence, of drive, of ambition, of I'm going to get things done, you know, and, and, and so forth. So I think being an entrepreneur isn't only for I own my own business. You may work for Live Nation, but decide that, hey, I have this awesome idea and I'm going to create this sub business for them. Or I work for Coca-Cola and I have this amazing marketing idea and I'm going to make that happen within that structure. So being an entrepreneur doesn't necessarily mean you own your own business. That's the conventional sense, right? But it can mean a lot of different things. It's a spirit, it's mentality. So um, I, I was raised by a very entrepreneurial, very, very supportive family, very supportive. <laughs> um, went to school uh, at Northwestern in Chicago, really great experience, very different than Miami, different people, different ideology, uh, just definitely a different vibe. Which what, did was, you, what did you go to school for? I double majored in uh, psychology and communications. Okay. And uh, I actually got my psych major by accident. I just took so many psych classes that I was about to graduate. And she's like, well, if you take these two more classes, because um, I think I think humans are fascinating. I, I love it. Um, I can't help you with counseling, but I think you're fascinating. Um, so went to Northwestern for that, then went to law school in back in Miami because my family was here. Law school here, lived out in L.A. a little bit in between, worked for an entertainment management firm out there. Loved that experience. Um, and then while I was in law school, I was traveling a lot to New York. A lot of my friends moved there, so I had the opportunity to go there fairly often. Um, so I definitely have ties, you know, in kind of the four corners. What, what was the prompt for law school? Was Were th you know your family kids, members same thing? No, I don't have any lawyers in my family, not one. Huh. Um, were you, know, you just always arguing when you were there? No, I'm a really <laughs> nice girl. <laughs> I've definitely always been, though, the one that's like, it must be just, okay. right? Which like, once you become a lawyer, you realize it's not really always what you're doing. But, you know, I was the, the three-year-old that people were like, she's gonna be a lawyer. Okay. Which is so cliche, but that's the truth. Um, I was, you know, if my brother got in trouble, I would defend him. I'd be like, no, it's okay that he did that because so-and-so, okay. right? My, my little brother's never had to stick up for himself. Um, so I'm definitely, you know, all about justice and I wanna make sure things are fair. And so that was definitely a, a mentality of mine growing up. And I think that obviously kind of translated to law. Um, I went to law school focusing almost entirely on criminal defense. I was positive that I wanted to do nothing else. I 
took all criminal defense classes. I interned at a criminal law firm, then at the public defender's office. And when I graduated law school, I only applied to the public defender's office. Luckily, they hired me. (laughs) So I was a criminal defense attorney for the public defender's office in Miami for a few years. Unbelievable job. Unbelievable. Um, The feeling of helping people is unmatched. The amount that you learn in such a short period of time is insane. I think my third day I was in trial and I did not know what I was doing, but we won. It was fine. Obviously, I was with a supervisor, but um, they definitely throw you in the fire. And that's how I learned best. I learned through experience. Some people learn through books. Some people learn through, you know, other things. That's not me. I am definitely a hands-on learner. And so it was an amazing environment for for me to be in. I met the most intelligent, incredible people, um, really brilliant. Some of the most brilliant people I know work at the public defender's office and passionate and excited. And and I saw a lot of injustice and I saw a lot of, um, you know, I, I learned a lot from that job and I absolutely loved it. But it is a job where you reach a ceiling at some point. So I decided to move towards my other passion, which was business, because my entire life, that's all I saw, that's all I knew. I've owned businesses, I always say, since I was 11, I had a lemonade stand. And from that point, there was not a year in my life that I did not work, whether it was my own job, whether it was working as a waitress at a coffee shop. You know, in college, we start, me and a few of my partners started, you know, all these different businesses. And then as an adult also, while I have my firm, I've had an array of different businesses in completely different fields. I've owned boxing gyms, I've owned yacht companies, and I continue to look for things that I'm excited about. Our firm also now takes equity in certain companies that we want to be really intimately involved with because like I said, we're more than just doing legal. So I think you've pretty much answered this question, but it's one that I always like to ask. Is it safe to assume that you are business person who just happens to be in the in the law field is with you i don't feel like it's that clear cut usually with people it's either they're creative and they happen to be in business or or they're in business and they happen to be in this other field Right. right um i think the legal and the business are pretty even although if i had to pick I think I kind of edge out a little bit on business, um, which is why I think differently than a lot of lawyers. Um, Obviously, with, you know, when it comes to negotiations, when it comes to drafting, when it comes to litigation, I don't think necessarily always in such legal terms. I think a little bit more in a whole, you know, whole picture kind of way. And I think that's more of a business way to look at things. The creative industries, I don't think was an accident. I admire creative people an insane amount. I, um, you know, I watch some of my producers, uh, you know, I'll go to the studio with them and 10 minutes later, they created a song. And to me, that is just mind blowing, right? right? So I'm a huge fan of so many of my clients and their abilities. And, you know, you find your space in the industry you love where you can be most valuable. So again, not a dressmaker, But I can tell a fashion company, hey, we should do this, this, and this to make your dress the best dress, right? Right. So so I think that my kind of place in the world is to serve as kind of that that shoulder for the creatives. And that's how I find my space in that universe. How about outside of work? What sort of things bring you joy? That's so poetic. Um, My family, I'm 
crazy close with my family. Hate them or love them. We're just super close. Um, I love boxing. I had a- um, Are they all here back yeah. in Argentina? No, like no, no. They're all here in Miami. Um, we, you know, my whole family moved here when I was four, so a long time ago. So all of them are here. Um, we're very close. Great, just intelligent, fun. I mean, I'm biased, but they're great. Um, I love boxing. I um, I started my the boxing gym, which is now closed, but um, with my best friend, and I just developed this love for the sport. Um, I obviously don't punch anyone in the face, but I do it more for fitness. But there is something so beautiful. I used to be a dancer when I was when I was younger, and there is something so almost poetic about boxing. There's it's mind, body, and spirit. It is so much coordination. It is flow. It is rhythm. But at the same time, it's focus. It's agility. It's ability. It's it's just a like a whole package, and it really gets you in shape. Right. So I'm a big fan of boxing, um, fitness in general. It's such a great way to kind of balance the stress or the you know monotony of an office. Um, for me, that's a non-negotiable. I work out every day, and that to me is a non-negotiable. Um, I love anything in the water: surfing, scuba diving, snorkeling, wakeboarding, a canoe. I don't care if you know I'm out on the water. I'm, I'm usually pretty happy, um, and just you know, friends in general, people with good vibes. Um, I love going. You know, I love seeing how much culture is developing in Miami. And it must be nice that you work with so many people that are in that world, right? So you're working, but you're enjoying yourself, and you're enjoying yourself. But there's that connection that you just okay. made while you were out with some friends, and that turns into. So yeah. one of my clients uh, owns the trademark for never not working, and couldn't have said it better myself, right? Wow. Never not working is how most of us live. I'm much more likely to get a client at the gym or at a fashion show, or at the opening of a new restaurant, or that's the type of environment I want to be in, and that's the type of environment where my clients are, right? They are at the, you know, the new hotel openings, or at swim week, or you know, creating this new event that's happening, and that's where I want to be, and that's like, and in personal life, that's where I want to be, and that's great, because that's also what translates into you know, the type of clients that we, we tend to have, which is probably not a coincidence. So how has life turned out differently than you expected it to? I'm not married with kids. Okay. <laughs> um, I hope to be, but I'm not yet. I think professionally, I've achieved a lot for someone my age. Am I satisfied? No, but am I happy? Yes. Uh, and I think there's a difference. I think, you know, when you're ambitious, you're never quite satisfied, but that doesn't mean you can't enjoy where you're currently at. Um, I'm very proud of my team and you know the businesses I've had, be it successful or failures, I've had failing businesses that I've learned so much from and I don't regret for one second because they have not only helped me with future businesses, but I also now bring that to the table to my clients and say, I've made this mistake. Right. Here's how I made it. Here's why you know I did it and here's how we should do it differently. So I think, um, I don't know if I was ever that little girl that had such a clear cut idea of where I'd be. I just kind of always kept going. Um, so I don't know if my life turned out differently, except for the fact that, you know, when you're 19, you assume that when you're 30, you'll be married and have children. Um, but I think professionally, uh, I'm proud. Um, I think, could I do more? Yes. Will I do more? Absolutely. 
Um, I'm, I love my friends. I love my family. I love my life. Um, and I'm in a position where I feel very empowered to do whatever I want. Um, and I think that I couldn't want anything more. I always, you know, when people are like, oh, how do you feel about yourself or your life? And I always say, you know, my 11 year old self would think I'm bomb. And what okay. more could you want? Right. And I think that's that's what everyone's goal should be. That the version of you today is a version that your 10 or 11 year old self would want to be. And, and that doesn't mean we don't admire other people or learn from other people, but it's your version of that, right? And so I think the best way to compare your success is with your own thoughts. And, so and if, you were, if you were going back right now 10 years, mm -hmm. what would you tell Brenda from 10 years ago? What piece of advice would you give yourself? Eat better. Eat better. <laughs> <laughs> It took me a long time. Yeah, it'll, if I'm going to be super honest. It'll save you a honest, lot of hours at the gym. It'll save you a lot of hours at the gym. Yeah, um, maybe I, I learned a few things as I got older. One was to be more patient. Another was to eat better. And uh, and another was to be so much nicer. Um, for being very frank, in sixth, seventh grade, I was like the mean girl. Super popular because people were scared of me, right? And when I went to high school, I realized I want to be super popular because people like you, like me or, or, or want, you know, see me as someone kind and, you know, nice and good and something clicked and, and my whole personality kind of changed to more of a, I want to bring good vibes to a room. I want to bring good energy. I want to make people feel good about themselves when I'm around them. Um, I don't know what it was, but good thing that it happened in sixth grade and not when I was 30. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm willing to bet that your life would have shaped out very differently <laughs> um, had you not made that switch. Totally. But I, I think that's, I think, you know, it, it made such a difference. And now my main focus in life is to empower other people and make people feel excited and good and, and just bring good vibes, whatever that may mean for that moment, you know? Very cool slightly different variation of that question okay so brenda from 10 years from now is coming back to today mm -hmm. to give you advice worry less about being married and having kids <laughs> <laughs> and i think that if i'm being aggressively honest i think sometimes i cut myself a little too much slack i think i have more potential than i am putting out there um, how so I'm big on balance, so I never think that somebody should work 24 hours a day because I think happy people are successful, successful people aren't always happy, and that's a big distinction. But I think that, um, I think I could do more. I think sometimes I get lazy because I'm human. In um, what areas? Like, like I, I let my brain take a break, and okay. it doesn't need to. Um, I think that I could learn more, I could explore more, I could, you know, I think I'm capable of more and I think I may not be living up to my full potential. Hmm. That's interesting. <laughs> and the fact that I know that and still don't do it, you know, but well, no, I I'm think human. that's, that's <laughs> very interesting because from the outside, most people would look at you and go, Oh my God, this girl is crushing it. At the same time, we live in a world where everybody has the opposite problem of what you just described. They should take a break they should put the phone down they should you know enjoy their work and their the fruits of their labor yeah i think i always get my stuff done it's to my clients i'm always at 100 percent. but i think personally there's so much more i could learn there's so much more i could do um 
you know, but that's without sacrificing balance. To me, balance is key. It's, I preach it all the time. I think that, I think that it's, it's what makes people happy. I think that it's what gives people success. I think what makes you well-rounded. <clears throat> so let's talk about balance. Sure. Because that's an interesting one. Oftentimes when people talk about balance, they, they have this mental image of this Zen-like life. Yeah. Oh, I am spending yeah, equal like, time with this. I'm like the this. least Zen person you've ever met. But, <laughs> but I've always used an example of if you try to balance on a ball, you will not look zen. Okay. It will look very, very erratic. So I, what do you think about balance being not on a 24-hour timeline, but mm -hmm. maybe on weeks, maybe sure. on months, that some weeks you have to go in mm -hmm. all in on business, exactly. but then you pull back to the other side. Could not agree more. I think balance is so personal that there's no right way to be balanced. Um, but what you described is exactly how I'm balanced. Okay. Um, I'm you go not, hard on a few things. Sometimes I, I let my situation dictate how I will be balanced in that day or that week or that month, but always being in tune with myself. So uh, last year I took, I don't know, a bunch of vacations. This year I didn't take a vacation until the third quarter of the year. Why? Because my business just didn't, call for it. I, I really needed to be here and grind. That doesn't mean that I didn't find balance on a micro level, right? After work every day, I would go work out. And that was my balance. I, you know, every Monday night get together with my girlfriends and we cook dinner at home. And that's part of my balance. And right. on the weekends, you know, every Sunday I get bagels with my mom and my brother. And that's part of my balance, right? So balance is so personal. For some people, it's meditation. For some people, it's journaling. For some people, it's going for walks. I love going for walks. It's just such a personal thing. Um, but more and more, it's becoming clear through scientific evidence that balance is necessary. It's not a choice. It's a necessity. And, you know, I read something the other day. Uh, Thrive Global is a company that basically tries to go into corporations and teach them about balance. Um, and they have all the scientific research and all these things. And I read this great quote um, that basically said that most billionaires or, you know, people that we consider super successful didn't succeed because they were nonstop. They succeeded in spite of it. Right. And so everybody thinks mm. that you have this finite amount of energy. And if you don't kind of I got to grind in my 20s so I can live like a boss in my 30s, that whole mentality. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, I'm not a billionaire, but everything I've read, everything I've felt um, and I think that if you're going to be that successful, um, enjoying the journey isn't going to take away from that. And so part of enjoying that journey is knowing when to cut things off, knowing when to be all in. It's what you said. It's about the journey, enjoying mm -hmm. it, right? It's not about the, the end goal. You enjoy the process mm -hmm. of helping your clients. You so, enjoy the process of starting a new business and everything. So it's not about the goal. It's about that process that you're going to totally. I mean, listen, yes, one day I'd like to be a billionaire and just travel Who the world wouldn't? on a yacht for sure. But am I going to not have friends or life or a family or happiness until that moment? Right. No, because it may never come or it might or it might come in 20 years. Or, but I'm not going to, in the meantime, not find ways to be happy. Awesome. So one thing that is very clear is when you talk with enough successful people, they've all had 
struggles. They've all faced fears that they've had to overcome mm-hmm. um, in order to get to where they are today. So for Brenda, mm-hmm. what think back, what are some of those fears or struggles that you've had to overcome? Sure. So I think that I, I vividly remember this conversation. Um, I was working as a public defender, steady paycheck, maybe not a big paycheck, but it was a steady paycheck. Um, you know, I knew where my money was coming from. I knew every, you know, it, it was stable. And I had a conversation with my dad and I said, you know, I'm considering going out on my own, but I'm terrified. And he said to me, you don't have kids, you don't have a mortgage, and I'm not going to let you starve. Go do it. And if you fall on your ass, you fall on your ass and you're smart enough that you'll go out and you'll get a job. And it was so simple the way he put it. But in my head, it had been this like this monster, this monster, right? Of like, what if, right? It's so it's it's the most uncertainty, right? And um, I'm very, very blessed to have a super supportive family um, that made me feel that I always had a net. Thank God I've never had to use the net, but just knowing that it's there is amazing. Um, I actually had a friend recently tell me that he didn't have the luxury of having a family create a net for him. And so he created his own net. And when he felt that security of the net that he had created himself, he jumped and he never had to use the net, but it was there. So, you know, I'm all for go live your dream, but have this plan to make sure that, you know, there's there's a way that you can still be okay, whether it's you or your family or whatever. So I think um, taking that jump was a big deal. Um, it what did, did it not- mean? What did it mean to hear your dad kind of like back you up like that? Was was that something that you were expecting, yeah. or was? Yeah, my family is aggressively supportive. It's okay. probably why I've never felt the doubt that a lot of people feel. So, which is why I think a support system is so important. It doesn't have to be your family. It could be your friend, but like find your biggest cheerleaders and keep them around you at all times because it gives you so much power when you doubt yourself and you will doubt yourself time and time again, right? And it's those people that believe in you so hard that you're like, well, if they believe in me so much and I respect them, I should believe in me too. And it's interesting that's the direction that it went with you because a lot of times if people are coming from highly successful families and everything it almost becomes the burden right right? it almost becomes the i am deathly afraid of letting them down (laughs) and that could manifest itself in in completely the opposite way so they go nope i don't want to do this i'm gonna go play the safe route yeah you know you're not wrong it's funny because i think being a lawyer is the safe route Hmm. Um, my mom always yells at me for this, but you know, she's like, oh my God, Brian, like, I'm so proud of you. You became this like super successful lawyer. And I was like, oh, anybody could be a lawyer. I'm like, you know, what about those, like those people that. What would be the unsafe route for, for like Brenda an actress, then? a dancer okay. that would have been, that would have been not anymore. But when I was, you know, 15, I was going to be a celebrity. That was, you know, the dream. And hmm. to me, being a lawyer was me playing it safe. It was me, one plus one is two, right? If I get good grades and I go to college and then I go to law school, I will become a lawyer. Simple enough, right? And that doesn't necessarily mean you'll become a good lawyer or a successful lawyer, but you should become a lawyer if you do those things. Whereas, you know, being uh, an actress or being um, an athlete or, you know, those more abstract careers I always admire those people because I think it takes just so much courage because there is no set path, right? Being a lawyer, an accountant, a doctor, those things, one plus one is two. 
You may not be successful, but like you'll be a lawyer. Somebody will hire you like for the most part, right? But being a musician, like wow, you are courageous. So that means that every single one of those clients that you've got, you're you're almost like Mama Brenda, just looking out for them. Like, 100%. go for it, buddy. <laughs> Literally, like I am your net. I am my Living client's by- net. And that's what I want to be. I want them to feel that they are supported. Like, I got you. Like, go live your dream. Awesome. And like, I got you. Because, th- you know, I admi- like I said from the beginning, I'm their biggest fan. Because if you have the courage to dream um, and go for it, that is scary. Um, so good for you. Well, and I think that one may look at it as, oh, man, you know, I didn't chase that dream about becoming a dancer or an actress or something like that. But I think... Life always presents multiple opportunities to scratch that itch or do something that you're passionate about, right? So you didn't capitalize on those, but lo and behold, now you're in a situation where you can help hundreds, if not thousands of others do that. Absolutely. And that's something I recently discussed with my family. I was like, you know, it kind of took a different route, but I ended up in a very, you know, I ended up in the right sphere and that's what I always wanted. I was not good enough to be a professional dancer. I'll tell you right now, I would not have succeeded. But I always knew that I loved creatives and and music. And, you know, I felt music differently and I I just had such a love for it. And so I, you know, after several years of taking that winding path of criminal defense and this and that and things that were just all over the place, one day I woke up and I was, you know, in a meeting with three musicians and I we were talking music and dancers and this and that. And I was like, I'm still here. Right. I I got to the same place with a different route. And that to me was so exciting. And there's still so much I want to do. But it was really nice to see that I had at least scratched the surface of the same community that I always wanted to be a part of. Very, very cool. So I want to go through a couple of Miami questions rapid fire. I want you to answer the first thing that comes to mind. Oh, gosh. Okay. Um, So unique tips for Miami businesses that you would like to give out? Don't ignore your community. I know tourism is really big in Miami, but don't forget your locals. Um, They are going to be that recurring customer, that bread and butter, that sense of community that makes even tourists come and be like, wow, I feel good here. I feel like family here. So pay attention to your locals. Okay. Along the same lines, favorite food spot and dish so, in Miami. So easy. Mandolin, maro salata with chicken. Okay. Best restaurant in Miami. Okay. They're not even my client. They should be, but they're not. <laughs> but they are the best restaurant in Miami. My clients may, my restaurant clients may get mad that I just said that, but that is, that's an honest answer. Okay. Okay. Favorite way to spend a weekend in Miami? On a boat. On a boat. Okay. With friends, family, whatever, on a boat. And what are you listening to when you're stuck in Palmetto and heavy traffic? <laughs> so many different things um i told you i'm a big fan of music so there's a podcast called dissect which basically dissects albums great podcast um i heard i listened to that for a while um i love music so that can range from r&b to hip-hop to classical to reggaeton to old school luis miguel to literally the range is infinite um obviously always listening to my clients you know their new stuff um getting them those those streams on spotify (laughs) um i love listening to music um i also sometimes use any sort of traffic to talk to my friends okay so a lot of times my commute to work is less than a minute 
So I, you know, I don't get to talk on the phone often. I, you know, I have friends from all over. And so sometimes if I'm stuck in traffic, that'll be my, let me call and catch up with my friends. So a little bit of everything. Very cool. Very cool. Well, before we wrap up, I do want to give you an opportunity to kind of let people know about anything special that you have going on, upcoming, where they can connect with you, anything. Definitely. Mike is yours. Well, first of all, thank you. This has definitely been the most honest podcast I've ever been on. I think maybe because it was a little more personal. Most of the ones I do have a lot to do with law, which I love. Um, but this was definitely the most honest podcast. And uh, we'll see if I regret that later. Grotto, <laughs> <laughs> um, stop! <laughs> As far as connecting with me, please connect with me. I love just interacting with people in any way, shape or form. Invite me to your events. I'd love to kind of support local community or even in other states. Um, my personal Instagram is at B-S-C-H-A-M-S. The law firm's Instagram is at D-S underscore Miami. Um, our website is www.dsmiami.com. And my email is brenda at dsmiami.com. So feel free to reach out to say what's up. If you have any questions, if you're curious about, you know, legal matters or just have an awesome event coming up that we should check out. Um, I love being involved. I love hearing what people are doing. So feel free to use me as a resource. Awesome. Brenda, thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. This was super fun. Yeah, this was great. <laughs> Thanks. Hey guys, this is Corrado again. Just wanted to share two quick things before you take off. One, for detailed show notes, recommendations of people or businesses you'd love to see featured on the show, and even more, head over to miamicreators.com. And two, if you enjoyed this episode, don't forget to subscribe and share this with someone you think would find it interesting. That's it. Until next time, thank you for listening.